are listening to episode 49 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Monday, November 2nd, 2020. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, it's terrible. Everything's just terrible. (laughs) Oh my god, it really is. Aren't you so glad you all tuned into this podcast? But as usual, we will talk about happy things, but yes. we do want to get the, just like the, just I mean, we all know, everybody knows. It's, everybody it's, feels the same way. Like It's a bad time. It's a bad time. It's a hard time. It really, it really is just like a hard and bad time. Yeah. But, like it's just, it's a, it's a bad year and it's, it's been a bad few years. It's going to get better. I gotta, that, that's my, that's, that's, that's what I'm sticking to. We gotta Maybe have it's naive hope. at this point, but. <laughs> I just like keep being like revisiting 2016. No, we don't have to go down that. We don't have to go down that road. No. We we are this podcast is a place for us to talk about things we like and and kind of have an outlet of positivity and just getting to talk to your best friend for an hour. That's why I was actually really looking forward to recording this today. I had I had a really actually genuinely had a bad day um my toddler head butted me last week and um in the nose and I've been feeling under the weather for a week and it turns out it's because I have a concussion so my toddler gave me a concussion for my birthday and so um I was actually but I was really looking forward to being able to do this because like oh my god it's been so bad it's just like it's nice to have just an hour to talk about things that are that make me happy with somebody who makes me happy so I'm glad we get to do it. Well, one good thing that I think makes us both happy, although you had a slight like oh, like insult to injury thing happen so this week, is we are a few, 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 few short now days, really, like less than two weeks away from the PS5 coming out. Yes, we both got pre-orders. Which was very exciting and very much like we were in like Mission Impossible or something. Yes, trying like Preeti texts me and I'm like in the middle of like bath time, like with my toddler and like putting it and like Preeti texts me like PS5 orders are live. And I'm like, gotta go. And I like run to the computer with like wet hands. It was like, it was a whole thing. <laughs> but get on Target right now. <laughs> yes, but we managed to both get Target pre-orders. So we're both very excited. Um, My insult to injury, because I'm like so impatient for the PS5. PS5, not the PS3, PS5 to come out because like everything's been terrible and it's nice to have something to look forward to. Um, I ordered a second controller because um, I just like having, not that I plan on playing with anybody, like who am I going to see in the next year? Nobody. But um, I like having a second controller, like one I can hook up to my iPad and play like, you know, if I do remote play in another room versus, um, so I like having a second controller. So I went ahead and ordered a controller and it already came and I was like, this is so mean. It's so weird and so mean that they would send the controller like eleven days before yeah, the trailer. Like, I got it like out. I think I got it like Friday or Saturday, so it's like full two weeks because I do not expect to get the console on release day either. I'm sure I'll get it like the Tuesday Wednesday after. We're gonna have to wait just a little bit longer I know. to play Miles I know. Morales, which I looks know. and I'm sounds so like I I know a few people who have played review copies and it just they're all like it's so good it's so good the story is so good they the apparently so they they updated peter parker's face which i don't i don't understand the the decision making and i don't i don't hate how you know the stills looked of the new um 
actor, though he just I just think he looks really, really young. Do you and know what I the guess rationale was behind that. I have no idea, no clue why. I liked I liked the look of the last Peter because I felt like he looked solidly like mid twenties and like really distanced it from what was happening in the movies in a nice mm-hmm. way. And but now, now he looks like seventeen. He looks like a baby, and he's still supposed to be like twenty five. So I guess yeah. that element is what I've heard is to be somewhat jarring, but whatever, that's fine. Like yeah. I I'll live with it. But I've heard the story is very good, so I'm very very excited about that to happen at some point. In the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And then I'm really excited about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I think comes out on the PS4 earlier, but I think it doesn't release on the PS5 weirdly until like December, but it's fine. Like whatever. Are they doing the same thing that they're doing for Miles Morales, which it's like there's the PS4 version that is releasing, but then. If you buy the the PS4, you get the free upgrade. PS4 yeah, 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 yeah. You get the free upgrade. Oh no, no, no. I meant, is it too? Because they're they're di- they are upgraded, right? There are differences. I mean, the the whole Spider-Man release system is very confusing. Where it's like, there's like the mastered, remastered, yeah. and like the just something. I don't really understand all the different versions. I don't understand it either. So uh, I was just with, wondering if they were doing that for multiple games. I think well, with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, they're releasing. There, it's just the PS4 version and the PS5 version. But there are going to be differences because I think the PS5 version is made specifically for the PS5, which is probably why there's like a month delay. Oh, yeah, because um, I'm not I'm, entirely sure. I imagine they want to take advantage of what the PS5 will have to offer, yeah. which it looks like the the graphics and everything about it kind of look. And considering amazing. the size of a small car, I mean, hopefully it's. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's a big. It's a big. It's a. It's a honking console. It is a it's a chunky it's, it's chunky console. Quite large. Although, oh my it's, god, Preeti, your tweet! I never, I didn't even like. I don't think I even favorited it or responded to it because it was like on my phone and I just noticed it about the box, the Xbox finally <laughs> achieving its final box form. Oh my god, <laughs> I laughed because like the new Xbox uh, One, no, the Xbox Series X, which God, the naming convention is like just a box at this point. It's a little box. Oh my god, it was a really good tweet. I just, just, I, just, I just need idea. you all to know that this tweet was very good. It just made me laugh the idea that, like, because Xbox came out like a month after the GameCube, and it wasn't a box, and it couldn't be a box because the GameCube was a box. So and now I love like, the idea that they had to wait like 20 years to finally create a console that's an actual box. It's so stupid, but it's so it's funny. It's so funny. To me. It's so funny. <laughs> Oh man, God, so good. Yeah, no, I'm so, yes, excited. Well, about... we're excited. We'll talk about the PS5 more as we get ours and um, as we uh, and just a note on our release schedule. We um, did a post for our Patreon subscribers, but we haven't had a um, we haven't had a, a episode in a while. And honestly, there just hasn't been a lot to talk about um, in terms of there's not a lot of new media. It hasn't been a lot of new media in a while, and you know. So we've just we just decided we're gonna do more episodes in November and December because there's a lot there's there's finally stuff coming out. So um yeah, so that's kind of so we'll talk well, yeah, about we'll have another which, episode in November uh to talk about um um the new Star Wars holiday special and yeah. uh the um personal history of David Copperfield. Yes. <laughs> which is uh which stars Dev Patel. 
so and excited. Those both of those come out November seventeenth, and so we're gonna have, and then obviously Mandalorian. So we'll have um, another just episode. Really in, looking in forward to the mashup episode that will be the Star Wars, the Lego Star Wars holiday special, and the personal history of David Copperfield because they both come out November seventeenth. Yes, and so that episode is gonna be just an <laughs> off the wall romp, I think, yes. of absurdity. Yes, I agree. I think so. It's going to be great. Um, speaking of great. Off the wall absurdity. Yeah, off the, the wall absurdity way. and in great. The best and, and goodness is uh, <laughs> a new trailer dropped today from Netflix for a series called Bridgerton, which is coming from Shondaland, which you may know thanks to, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy or Scandal. But it's Regency era drama. And they're based on the books by Julie Quinn, I believe. Julia Quinn. I am so excited for this. It's like people of color, like Regency era Gossip Girl. That's what I was going to say. It feels a lot like Gossip Girl, but like set in the Regency era and like like full costumes, like really attractive people of color. Like this is going to be good. So it comes out December 25th on Christmas. So far away, but now I have my Christmas day plans because again, like if you won't be going anywhere. I know, but it still feels like Christmas feels like unimaginable to me. I know. In the same way that everything everything after tomorrow or after this week feels unimaginable to me. So it's like all unfathomable future that is just it's like amorphous. Yeah, exactly. Amorphous is a good word for it. Um, and you have been watching Star Trek Discovery is back. It is, y'all. It is very, very good. It is. It's just like it's all the things you loved about Discovery, like the family and the camaraderie and the hugs and the tears and the like earnest, earnest, like earnest, earnest, like like like. I watched the first episode and I was like, oh, oh, th- this is what it's like to believe in something and to have hope. Like, my cold, dead heart was, like, melting. And it's just, it's, like, the show we need right now. It's really good with three episodes in. Um, it's every Thursday. I'm not going to talk go in-depth and talk about it too much, but I am recapping it at Sci-Fi Fangirl, so you can, like, jump over there and read my recaps. But, like, if you, it's, it's, it's the, I mean, it's by far the best season of the show so far. Um, but it's also just... It's really, like, it's genuinely good. It's not just like, oh, it's good, but it's just genuinely really good right now. And so I, I really like it. It's it's one of those things where I'm like, I know I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Like, I have these shows on my, li- on my list of things to, like, binge that I'm absolutely, like, Discovery is 100% on there. And I, like, saw a deal for CBS All Access and just paid for it for, like, the year. <laughs> So I have it, and now I feel like that stopped the fire under me to being like, mm-hmm. I better watch it before my subscription runs out. And now watch like fast forward ten months, where I'm like, Oh no, my subscription's gonna yep. be up in like two weeks. I gotta watch three seasons of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, it's, but I look it's, forward it's, to that day. Yeah, it's and it's it's good. I will like like the first season. I we did a rewatch before the season started, and I just. Ooh, the Klingon stuff does drag in the first season. So it's just like anybody watch who decides to watch it with all the praise for the third season. And the praise is universal. I honestly haven't seen anything bad about the third season so far. Um, but uh, 
yeah um just if you decide to watch it from the beginning the klingon stuff's hard to get through but no it comes to an end <laughs> that's just, i did you know. I, I i know i watched like the first few episodes and i enjoyed it but we didn't have the the channel at the time and yeah. so we're gonna, we're gonna come back to it um really quickly before we get into kind of the meat of this episode which is all about the Mandalorian premiere, which there's so much to talk about. Uh, we just want to give a shout out to Evil Eye, which is a movie on Amazon that Priyanka Chopra and Blumhouse partnered to create. And it's written by Madhuri Shekhar. It stars Sunit Damani and Sarita Chaudhary. And it's just like really nice to see South Asian uh, actors and writers and producers coming and creating a story that is South Asian at its heart. That said, mm-hmm. it is horror, and Swapna and I don't generally deal in horror because we're weenies, and so we have not seen it. I would <laughs> love to hear from someone who has. Yeah. Uh, if you've watched it and loved it, please let us know. But it's just exciting that things like this are happening, and, and it goes to show when you have someone in a position to produce things, what what can happen, which is really nice. And I get, like, it's really nice that there's enough South Asian content that I can choose to opt out of a genre that isn't for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, I know that agreed. sounds weird, but it's like, it's really nice to be like, oh, there's so much of it that like, oh, this isn't for me, but I can watch other South Asian content that like, it's there's enough for a long time there wasn't. So it's really nice to actually just be like, oh, not for me. Yeah, it's nice but to, I have be other able options. to have options for once. Granted, yes. we always want more and more and more always and more. But. Um, because when we say enough, we, we, we know that means like there are three shows now instead yes. of zero. Right. <laughs> and also there aren't enough, generally speaking, there aren't enough women in horror. So nope. this is really exciting. Yeah. By, by all accounts, it, it's exciting that it exists. Yes. Hopefully people who like horror like it. Yes. But not, not, I am a weenie. So yep. not for me. All right, and let's, now. Let's start. Okay, oh my I'm, real, I'm excited about this. Okay, so I think we're just going to get right into it. I don't see a reason to do a non-spoilery section. So, um, yeah, so I think we're just going to get right into it. Like, oh, holy shit, Mandalorian's can I, back. Can I tell you, so I, you know, Job Thursday night, we didn't get screeners this time. I don't think, I don't think they did screeners. I don't think um, they did, Yeah. Cause they know they didn't, they didn't have yeah. to. And so I woke up and I watched it before work on Friday morning. And so I was sitting in bed watching it. And when, like, it wasn't even the, the armor for me. It was when Cobb Vance lifted the helmet off and it was Timothy Alphit. I lost my damn mind. So I knew we, I know we knew he was going to be in it, but I completely <laughs> forgot. I forgot completely. Yeah. I was not, I should have known. Like it was my only defense is that it was very early in the morning because the minute the episode was called the Marshall, like I should have known. Yeah. And he stood in the doorway and his hip was cocked. And he, I just should have known, but I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, like it was, that was a, and that was a really good reveal. And like, um, it just perfectly cast. So the character is, um, actually introduced in one of Chuck Wendig's, the 
trilogy, the post, you know, Return of the Jedi trilogy he wrote. The aftermath, right? Yeah, after, I, I think, I don't remember which book it is, but yeah, it being in Aftermath, the first one would make sense, but he writes, there's this, this little interlude about basically this guy, Cobb Vance, uh, buying a set of, like, basically ruined, not ru- completely ruined, but, like, Mandalorian armor from the Jawas on Tatooine, and they never say it's Boba Fett's armor, but you can put two and two together, but it's it's one of those like rare occurrences where the expanded universe feeds into the universe you see on screen rather than the other way around. So that was a really cool moment. It was also very, I just, I, I, I did say this on Twitter, but I'm still kind of laughing about how that, that was a pretty big, you know, fast forwarding through the episode, but it's pretty big drop at the, at the, the kicker at the end of the episode yeah. where we see the actor who played Django Fett kind of, for a split second just before the episode ends that's like a huge deal right like we've gotten all this imagery this boba fett like these implications about the armor whatever it is and then you're (laughs) like oh someone else is wearing his armor okay so boba fett's dead right and then you get this kicker but the thing is is that everybody was so excited at how hot timothy oliphant is (laughs) that no one was talking about it for like seven hours i feel like it was a full day went by until finally it started being like, okay, now now we've all gotten our like thirst out of our system. Yes. So we can actually discuss like the the implications of this episode. Which um it's actually really nice, uh, because usually the episodes are people start tweeting spoilers very early. And I don't consider Timothy Oliphant being in Star Wars episode a spoiler. You know what I mean? Like it's that's yeah, yeah, not, yeah. you know what I mean? So like is I didn't I that I stayed off Twitter for the most part so that I didn't know that although like Preeti told me she had watched it and was like I made a meme about <laughs> something that happens 15 minutes into the episode and I'm like watching it that evening and I text her and I'm like oh please and like as soon as he comes on screen I'm like I text her please send me your Timothy Oliphant meme because I know that's what it is because I know I know I know Preeti's feels we'll link to it but so let's so basically the episode starts. There's actually another um another cameo in this episode earlier on, which is uh why didn't I write down anyone's names? But the gangster that uh Mando goes to see at the top of the episode is John Leguizamo. Is it? I didn't even recognize him. No, because he's like covered in the prosthetic. Yeah, yeah but and you, he, like, it doesn't he has a very it barely even voice, sounds though. like him. Yeah, I was like, usually, like, John Leguizamo has a very distinctive voice, so that's, that's super interesting. I know, right? Um, I was, I actually read about it um, after the fact, but yeah, it was Gore Koresh is who mm. he was playing, and um, I loved, loved the introduction scene of this episode of having, kind of right off the bat, you get Mando in this situation. I love that he brings <laughs> Yiddle Yaddle, the child, in with him, and is just kind of like, where I go, he goes. Yeah. And he's gonna he's gonna be here while I like kick some ass. So I love I love that we got to see his new armor in action. Like I loved all those like punches to the head that were just like thunk. Like that yeah. fight sequence in that in that underground boxing ring or whatever was great. I thought it was really and I was watching with my dad who had never he didn't see watch the first season. But he loves westerns. Like loves westerns. Oh, and he this was is great. like he was like cracking up the whole, like the whole episode. He was just like giggling. It was amazing because like now I think I can like convince. Because like my mom, like we had ta- ta- be, I was like, oh, you should watch the show. I think you'll like it. And my dad's like, eh, whatever. 
Oh, he asked me if Rilo Ken was in it at one point. It's <laughs> like, no, Dad, <laughs> Rilo no, Ken. Rilo, <laughs> Rilo Ken was not in it. And then he asked me if Anakin was in it. And I was like, how do you know who Anakin I was like, what is going on? So I guess apparently before, at some point, my parents rewatched the, um, the, like, the trilogies. I don't know when that happened. But, um, uh, but, but yeah, so, um, he loved, and like, so it's, it's, it's also, like, I loved that opening scene, um, because it really did, like, kind of reset the Western tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it brings us to, I think it immediately reminded us who Mando is, mm-hmm. right? It mm-hmm. it gives us this moment of like, it's, it's the same feeling as when he first rescues, um, the baby just after he's turned it in to, mm-hmm. uh, the, the rogue stormtroopers and, it was that same sort of feeling, but this time it's in service of the goal of like finding other Mandalorians to help him get this child back with his people. And that I love the the minute when uh, he's like Gore Crash is like hanging from the street lamp and he's like, don't kill me. And he's like, you will not die by my hand, Evan. which, you know, like immediately, you know, that's like the, the loophole. Right. And so when he shoots the blaster out and all those red eyes turn on I was like oh I've missed this can I ask you something that I should have rewatched the last episode of the last uh, of season one but don't him and Cara Dune and Grief Karga all leave together on the same ship no they don't okay no okay it was he goes off and they're like basically it was like a good luck sort of situation okay so they don't all leave together because that's what I was like is there something I missed but apparently no no, he gets sent, you know, they, they send him off on this, the armorer sends him off on this to quest. To find the sorcerers. Um, to find the sorcerers. And then I, oh man, and then it goes, he goes back to Tatooine. Which again. Is, and we get I to see Amy, Amy Sedaris again. Who is all of us. Like that moment when she was like, <laughs> how much for the kid? Just kidding. But no, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yep, that's us. Yeah, yeah. I like, I and I love one of the things I really liked about this this episode is that it solidifies Tatooine as this sort of like this like podunk sort of planet, you know, where it's it's just like pockets of farming community. And I was like, this is where Luke Skywalker is from. Like, mm-hmm. this is who Luke Skywalker is. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, this is like a backwater. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, you know. Um, so we um, we get to see a part of Tatooine we've never seen before, which is mm-hmm. Moss. I should have looked El- up the name. Elgos. Moss. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but it's uh, basically they thought it had been basically lost to the Dune Sea, and like you know, raiders after the Empire pulled out, um, and apparently not because this guy Cobb Vance got himself a nice set of Mandalorian armor and has been has been uh, patrolling and keeping the peace and keeping the Tusken Raiders out. And the one thing he can't protect against, though, is um, a crate dragon that is very interested in the settlement. And so he makes a deal with Mando that he will return the Mandalorian armor. And I actually really liked this scene because he could have been a real dick about it, but he understood that this is their ceremonial armor. This is a cultural thing for him. 
and I need it to do this. But if you can help me do this, I will give it back to you because I have respect for your culture and custom. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they, it was a very respectful handle, exchange. They handle the characterizations very well because it could have easily been a really kind of by rote antagonistic mm-hmm. um, relationship, which we've seen before with mm-hmm. like in this show, we've seen him deal with strangers in that way so it was nice to start the second season which with something that was a little different like he didn't have to earn his trust he didn't have to do any of that like it was like right from the beginning of like okay we're gonna have this exchange like I am (laughs) I am essentially a lawman I am I am the marshal of this town and so we will have a respectful exchange like if we need to do this this way then great and I also really respect because you know in a head hand-to-hand combat mando could have 100 absolutely taken, taken that armor and instead he was like no i will help these people i will help you know i really i just really appreciated the tone that the tone of it um it was really really nice and then um but in order to do it which we got to see have we've never seen a crate dragon on screen right we've seen I the skeleton of one yeah i don't think we've ever actually seen it on screen but someone can tell us if we're wrong there have I can't been... think of if there was one in one of the cartoons I I think I'm what I mix I think what I'm mixing it up with is the episode of resistance where they get stuck in those mines yeah but that's not a crate but those aren't yeah, crate dragons but I think that's what I'm thinking of yeah but the crate dragon goes back to a new hope um, like you see a skeleton of one, and then when Obi Wan is trying to scare the Tuscan Raiders away from Luke, he the call he lets out is a crate dragon call. Um, and so this is this is like part of like Star Wars lore. So it was really exciting to be able to see one. And and like really quickly. So speaking of this notion that you were talking about of Mando kind of Mando and and uh, Cobb Vanth being so respectful of the Mandalorian culture, we get to see that also in Mando's interactions with the the Tuscan Raiders because this is a group of um, characters in Star Wars who have kind of been maligned throughout. This is, this is an indigenous, history. like an indigenous but, population, right? And and what we get to see is Mando has taken the time to kind of learn the language and and uh, interact with them on a very sort of personal and professional level that is respectful. And so... And you see him um, go to them before he goes to the settlement. Yeah, he goes to to speak with them first, which is, is really great to see. And so when he has to bring, you know, he tells Kavan that this that, that thing is too big to fight on their own. They have to partner with the Tuscan Raiders. And there is this moment of like, I love the moment with the water where they're all sitting around the fire and... um he one of the raiders offers Cobb Vanth a drink and he's like no that smells disgusting I'm not going to do it and it there's this reaction of like oh you steal our water but now when we offer you something to drink you won't even take it and so it was this recognition of like you have to you one side isn't the villain like it perspective matters like we talk about in Star Wars from a certain point of view like perspective matters um And you Um, sent me that tweet that was really interesting. Um, There was somebody tweeted, um, if we can, if I can find it, we'll link to it. But uh, that to create the um, Tuscan Raiders sign language, the um, they hired actually a deaf actor 
and the deaf actor created the sign language um who speaks asl like uh created and i think that that's that's i think that's that's it's really nice on multiple levels um to give this population a voice um on screen which they've historically been denied and then on top of that to give a population that's historically been denied in our culture the deaf community a voice as mm-hmm. well and then to, to allow them to give it's it, it's it's nice it's a nice on multiple levels yeah there are layers um, of visibility happening yes there are layers great. of visibility happening and that doesn't erase um this is something we should probably should have addressed at the outset that doesn't erase mandalorian's good as a problematic show um, in terms of, in a lot of ways we've discussed, uh, there, there's been a lot of anti-trans stuff. We don't exactly know who is cast this season. We don't know what's going on, but we, I, I think we both just want to say, um, we support the trans community Yes. and we don't ever want that to be in doubt when we talk about this show. Um, we enjoy the show for the show and that doesn't erase the problematic aspects of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's recognizing those pieces and, and should, you know, any of that come to screen and people, there are things that, you know, certain actors have said and, and potentially whatever is happening with the casting, which again, we don't know who's going to eventually show up on this season, but it is like, it is, it's, it's, it's really, really frustrating, honestly, that we have to that they're putting us in a position where we have to, you know, like I just, why? Yes. But it is what it is. And so we support the trans community and um, we will address, you know, specifics if and when they come up. But yeah, just wanted to put that out there. Just, and just because we are lauding them for one area of representation doesn't mean we agree with everything they do. <laughs> exactly. You, you recognize the wins where they are and, and having, you know, allowing someone to come in who can not necessarily be representative of, but can bring a piece of that community into the writer's room and into the space where it will make it onto screen is mm-hmm. huge. And it's Very important cool. to, to celebrate those moments too, because the truth of the matter is, is that people look for their, for that, as much as they see the the frustration and the anger, they also look to see if they're being recognized for doing good. And if it is ignored, it's harder to get a second chance. Yep. I, yep, definitely. I think it's there. So we get so few wins that it's important to acknowledge them when we do, even in the face of other Blech. frustrating representation stuff. Uh, so can we talk about, um, do we want to talk about the fight? Because I really want to get to Boba Fett, too. Well, one thing we haven't really mentioned, which we, we in passing, we did, but <laughs> very quickly, I do want to talk about Baby Yoda. <laughs> I always want to talk about Baby Yoda. I think it's so... I I think they've added in more sound effects for him, for I think him so, this, yeah. this season. Like, I think there's a lot more cooing and a lot more kind of, like, reaction. There was also just a lot more cut shot random cut shots to him so it's very yes. clear that they are catering to the gift community which we want we are, like we are fine more, with. more baby yoda all the time yes. um and again very very quickly i want to i have to mention that 
the bartender is played by W. Earl Brown, who played uh, Dan on Deadwood across Timothy Oliphant. And so they had like a little reunion there and he has a link to it, but he has like a really lovely Twitter thread about his experience working on the Mandalorian, which was just like really nice and fun. And he like clearly had an amazing time. And so recommend searching that out if you want just like a moment of loveliness. Um. No, yeah, I do think they added more sound effects for Baby Yoda, and he was just very cute. Like, it would have been very easy for Mando to leave him behind. Mm-hmm. And I'm no, he glad brings him everywhere. He, yep, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad that this is the way going, this is the way going forward. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> um, so Boba Fett. So you and I have talked to, ta- I, anybody listening to the show, I think, knows that you and I don't, I mean, we don't hate Boba Fett, but we don't no. really, we don't give Boba Fett a second thought. I, he's just to me is a he's character there. who's uh, f- given importance that outwe- outweighs his actual representation in the series, which yes. is always surprising to me. Um, but that being said, and I think I said like when we saw the Spur, who we know is now Cobb Vance in season one, um, when he saw the armor, and I was like, oh, I really hope they don't bring Boba Fett back. But honestly, I didn't mind this at all. It adds a lot of it adds a layer of mystery. Um, I just I I didn't mind this at all, and I was surprised that I was like actually excited by it. Well, I think there's a difference between like having I, there's a stark difference to me between having um the Boba Fett in the original imagery in you know kind of this character mode that he was in the original series versus a Boba Fett who potentially ha- is now a true like uh evolution of the character we've known since he was a kid that maybe he can finally achieve the myth like maybe he can work you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and and there maybe there's like a payoff for this this character that we watched kind of grow up through the clone wars um and you know see this heart-wrenching moment that happens in the prequels when he has to watch his, you know, not father, but father, father. figure and he's, in any way, um, die at the hands of the Jedi and kind of see who he has morphed into since, like, presumably <laughs> getting out of a Sarlacc pit. If if that is Boba Fett. Yes. I don't know who else could it, it could be because he's not old enough to be a clone. Yeah, he's significantly younger than the clones. At this point, like we saw, we've seen Rex in Rebels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We know how, what the clone, the age of the clones at this point. I don't know who else it could be. Like, no idea. It, I think it, I, I think, it, I am like 99.5% certain it is Boba Fett, but it's Star Wars, so. And if if it's Boba Fett, that means throughout, since the end of Return of the Jedi, so say five-ish, it's been probably about five-ish years or so that he's just been on Tatooine, maybe? Like, yeah, like, it's just had, you know, like, exactly, no armor, how has he been surviving? You know, like what? It's just, and why yeah. is he okay with this guy like having his armor? Like I just, yeah. I, I think it opens up a lot more questions. Did he know? Because, like, does he even know that his armor like survive? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, or I don't what know what his armor represents. How did he allow his armor to be taken off of him? 
like all, there's there are a lot of questions that is why I think a potential return works a lot better yeah. than we might have anticipated when we were like, no. I think if Boba Fett showed up in his armor, we'd all just be like, oh, but I think the yeah. idea that he is this Mandalorian or this Mandalorian clone, because he wasn't technically raised as a man. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how Jango Fett raised his son, but he wasn't raised in like clans and stuff. So presumably he wasn't raised in a traditional Mandalorian way. Yeah. Um, he didn't earn his armor. He didn't fabricate his armor. He took his dad's armor. Like, there's a lot of questions about this. What does he like? What does it mean to him? What? So there's a lot of questions there, and I think so. I think I'm fine with Boba Fett being back if this is Boba, and um, I really look forward to seeing how they grapple with this. And it also I means know. we're uh, we're probably coming back to Tatooine, or the next episode set on Tatooine, or there's going to be more Tatooine in our future. I know. I'm very, I'm, I'm mostly interested to see where now he fits in to this story. Like yeah. to me, Boba Fett is so tangential to the original series, to the original trilogy is where I get kind of like, I don't care about Boba Fett. <laughs> Cause like in the original trilogy, he's not, he's, he's not even the main uh, antagonist to Han, like he's you can not easily, easily have cast some nameless character as the bounty hunter, and it would not have affected the story. As the exactly, fact. like it's it's this character who is, um, who has ter- been made into so much more than he is, based entirely on the original trilogy's treatment of that character, like one hundred percent. For original trilogy. Now, thanks to the prequels and the Clone Wars, we know that there is a much deeper backstory to this character. But again, it's not in relationship to the original trilogy. It's in relationship to the characters in those series, in mm-hmm. in the prequels and the Clone Wars television show. Like that's where his anger is. That's where his emotion is. That's where his character development is. It's not against Han or Luke or Leia or or anyone there. Like he's just a tool for Vader to use. So in that case, in his story as a whole, I think it could be quite cathartic and interesting to see how he's impacted after kind of being used and discarded as this tool by of of from the, you know, the Empire after his father was kind of in the same position, like yeah. used and discarded. Like, I think that is, a and like, much what is he going to say to, um, what is he going to say to, if he catches up with Mando and Mando's like, yeah, I have this Jedi kid or I have to find the Jedi. He, Boba's going to have some opinions about the Jedi. Yep. So, so like, it's, yeah. it's, it's far more interesting. I think having him come back in this way and in that context yeah, and so I'm I'm very very excited to um <laughs> see where this can, goes. Can I tell you that when uh the battle was happening, when they were going after the crate dragon, finally the you know this like mining town and and the Tuscan Raiders, and I just kept after after their initial plan fails. And Mando and Cobb are just kind of shooting at the dragon. I kept yelling at my TV, which I think was a standard yell during the first season. What's the plan here? Like, I just kept being like, what is your plan? When they, like, use their jetpacks and fly up, I was like, that's cool as hell. What's the plan? (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? Yep. Yep. (laughs) No, I agree. It was was just a complete mess. 
And like, like in every sense of the word, in terms of the plan failing and like improvising, in terms of all the like acid spit, the goo, like just without, I don't even know what it was. I assumed it was like some sort of acidic spit. Yeah, that's kind of what it seemed like. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. Gross. But like having (laughs) that poor Bantha. Oh yeah. Yeah. After we saw him getting his teeth brushed. And then gets just ends up as bait. But like that whole sequence was so funny to me because I think that it's, it's clearly intentional at this point that like we see at some points Mando is like too cool for school. And like when he's first introduced in that first episode in the first season, like he's a badass, right? He takes Mm -hmm. on those two dudes, like gets the bounty. But then there are these moments where you're like, you're a disaster. You have no idea what you're doing. You have literally no idea what you're doing. And it's so fun to watch those yeah. two sides happen. Because when he can go in and it's on his terms, he's great. When he is like in a position of being pulled into a situation, it can fall apart. He'll yeah. save the day in the end. But. Which I actually, I really like because it gives him, it is, we've talked about this before, but it's really hard wearing the suit and wearing the helmet it is mm-hmm. the characterization for this guy is really really hard so it gives him a real sense of it gives you a sense of his personality yes I agree. in a way like I I think they do a really good job with it because and it's I think it's almost necessary because otherwise if he was too good it would just be wooden it would be boring and and his his delivery you know Pedro Pascal is great um but I think the the, the way Mando speaks is also very like quiet deliberate fairly fairly like monotone for the most part and like matter of fact and so these are the action moments and the decision making moments are where those like spurts of personality and character come out in a really great way like even like telling I love that he's like telling Cobb like take care of the child person I've known for like a day yes (laughs) Amy Sedaris somewhere is like I'm right here yeah I'm right here to take care of the child. Any of us. What is your problem? Any of us would take care of the child. But having him do that and then Kevin's being like, what's your plan? He's like, I don't know. He, you you do know. (laughs) It was really good. It was a great first episode. Like I agree. It was, it was a really strong first episode. I'm looking forward. I have no idea where the rest of the season is going to go, especially with this like potential Boba Fett bomb drop. Like, yeah, and I knowing that I he's had... looking for more Mandalorians, and it's like, mm-hmm. what is he gonna find? Like, I feel like the the fact that they included Moff Gideon and the Dark Saber in the like previously in the Mandalorian, considering he wasn't even in this episode, is telling mm-hmm. because you wonder is he going to go, like, what, like, are we going to see some familiar faces from like you know Rebels and stuff like that in terms of Mandalore? You know, like the last season of the Clone Wars, we saw you know. Mandalore stuff and so like it's there's a lot there's a lot of places we could go from here I know there's the 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 road's kind of wide open and that's super exciting because I think we all had like our theories about where we thought it was going based on the trailer and all those things and and this kind of opens it up in an unexpected direction which Mm -hmm. is which is neat yeah I agree is that it I think I'm trying to remember if there's anything we maybe like 
didn't think of or I mean, I will say I enjoyed the fact that, uh, again, like when you're going through the town and they're showing kind of the townspeople of this little area, it was, you know, a lot of people of color, which is mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm. I thought that was clearly a very deliberate decision on the on the part of um, the creators. And yeah, overall, it's like kind of just great being back in this aesthetic and, and in this uh, new version of, or, or not new version, but like new space Star Wars is inhabiting. I'm really, yeah, I'm, I, I have purposefully kind of stayed away from a lot of the trailers and stuff because I just want to be, I need something fresh and I want to be surprised. And I think mm-hmm. this absolutely did, this episode absolutely did that. And I'm just really excited to see where it goes from here. Agreed. Okay, so what are we into and what are we doing? Where You go first. Okay, so whew, uh, on October 6th, the final book in the Queen's Thief series by Megan Wellen-Turner came, back, came out. And if, you, if you're not familiar, which I can't remember if I've talked about it on the show or not, um, because I was rereading the books leading up to the release, uh, and listening to the books reading leading up to the release, the first book is called The Thief, and it came out about 20 years ago. And it's one of the best kind of YA uh, fantasy books I've ever read. I love it. And the world that Megan Wellen Returner or <laughs> Megan Wellen Turner created with Return of the Thief, which is the final book, um, the series is just like, it's sort of like a fantasy, social commentary, multiple narrators, like all of these like things, the political intrigue, like all these things I love come together in a very uh, interesting and stylistically different sort of fantasy series than you might be used to. Like I highly recommend it. There is a jaw drop moment, both in book one and book two. How that many has, books is it? There are six books total. Okay. But they're not the first book's super short. They're very, very fast reads. Um, and she said you were listening to it. So do you recommend the audiobooks? Yes, I really, really, really. I'm not a big audiobook person, but this kind of got me into them in a big way. Like I find if I've read the book before, I can do audiobooks. I have sometimes a hard time um, processing information uh, when I'm just listening to it. But if I've read the book before, I found that the audiobooks have been like they're there is one guy um, whose name, of course, is escaping me, but his voice work is just excellent. And he does a lot of accent work, which is also very interesting because there are a lot of different areas as is the, you know, norm, I think, for a lot of big fantasy books. Um, but it's just it's just so good. And she just has such a way of surprising you. And she doesn't spoon feed anything to you as a reader, which is what I really appreciate. You kind of are surprised and but never manipulated Mm -hmm. so it's 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 a very respectful relationship I think between the text and the reader but it's still like monumentally surprising at some points which I think is very difficult to do without feeling cheated um also I'm watching the queen's gambit on netflix which is a historical drama about chess but also feminism and it's like a beautiful period piece super into it Everything about it is great. And then the last thing is The Wheel of Time. (laughs) So The Wheel of Time is this like epic fantasy series that for me defines American fantasy. Like it is 14 or 15 books written by Robert Jordan, 
took him decades to write, in my opinion, is significantly better than Game of Thrones. And it's going to be a TV show in the future at some point. It's being filmed right now. And so uh, my, well, our friend, Jen Northington and I, who is also Sapna's co-editor for the Arthurian Legend Anthology. Swords on Table out. out next summer. We will have pre-order information hopefully in the next couple of months. Woohoo! Um, Jen and I, our friendship is kind of based on Wheel of Time. And so we decided we wanted to start a Wheel of Time reread podcast. So we're reading all the books. Uh, and we started our podcast. We, we kicked off episode zero last week. And episode one, which is the first 10 chapters of The Eye of the World, which is the first book, comes out next week if you want to read along with us. It's called are you Tar doing Valen- about, Sorry? Ten, 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 are you doing about 10 chapters an episode? Yeah, we're going to do about 10 chapters an episode, I think. Um, so the first book will be five episodes because there are 53 chapters. Uh, but yeah, it's called Tar Valen or Bust. T-A-R-V like Victor, A-L-O-N or Bust. And we're on like Apple and Spotify and, and Libsyn and all these spaces. Um if you haven't read the books, like come hang out with us and read the books. It's going to be a good time. I forgot like how good these books are. I have read ahead because I have no willpower. So I finished the first book already. <laughs> and they're like, they're, they're, they're like suspenseful and the characters are great. And like some of the stuff gets weird later on, but it's really, really good at the beginning. <laughs> and so, yeah, like I think it's going to be a good time. Um, and then in terms of what I'm doing, I have a virtual story time on Friday at the end of this week, which you can join. We're going to be reading. I'm going to be reading A Jedi You Will Be Allowed to a bunch of kids, which I've never done. So I'm going to practice that in the mirror after we're done here. Uh, and then I'll be on a panel with the Shibitani siblings, which is very strange, um, for the Portland Literary Festival. I think that's not this coming weekend, but weekend after. And we're talking about middle grade books. And we'll link to both of those in the show notes. Yes. And that's what I'm doing and what I'm into. Yes. Um, I am, let's see, what am I doing? I am still writing my Take It Easy Mode column for Sci-Fi Fangirls. Um, so I last, um, the last game I wrote about was Tomb Raider, the definitive, definitive edition, which came out in 2013. And so um, that's very exciting. I'm recapping Discovery, Star Trek Discovery for Sci-Fi Fangirls. And um, I'm an editor at Increment Magazine, which is an it's a it's a magazine aimed at engineers from Stripe, the payment processing company. But it is also um, like the magazines aimed at engineers. But I find that like the topics they cover are really universal. This next issue that's out mid November is on remote work, and I I mean it's super obviously relevant right now, and it's a lot about like like I just found I found working on the issue fascinating so it's out in mid-november um i don't know there's probably other things i'm working on but i can't remember right now so um stores on table as i said pre-order link coming out hopefully we'll have something for you in the next couple of months and uh, jen and i are going to work on some pre-order campaigns so hopefully i will have a lot more information on that in the next uh um whenever um so <laughs> what am i the into? amorphous future um, I am currently reading, um, I've been actually doing a lot of reading lately, which has been really nice. It's, I've been trying to, you know, kind of disconnect a little bit from everything. And so, um, one thing I've been reading via audio is Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher Paolini, who wrote the Aragon books, yeah, um, which were popular like a decade ago. And they were, they were good, but 
I don't know. I was too. I think I was a little too old for them by the time they came out. Well, he was also like 16 when he wrote them, so right. it's like it was a big. It was one of those books that were like a really big deal because he was so young and he yeah. like created this amazing world. But it's they're they're fine. They're and tropey. Fun. Yeah. They're super tropey. Yeah. But he was also. But they're they're fine. Like, uh, but uh, he wrote a new like space opera, like epic space opera. That is like, I mean gotta be 500 pages um it's huge and it's like this just like giant space opera it stars this young woman kira navarez who is an astrobiologist and studies like um like you know and she like goes she she's she works in this company and goes to different planets to study like the flora and the fauna and she stumbles upon an alien relic and in this universe there are no there's only one instance of any sort of other alien civilization. Um, so it's like a huge deal, but, and it kind of is the ins and outs of that. And it's, um, the, oh, I was interested in, I like space operas generally. So I was generally interested in reading it, but not super interested. Like it's 500 pages. Well, it's like, I mean, 500 pages is probably generous. It's probably, it might be longer. I don't read a lot of long books these days. So I was kind of like, Oh yeah. And then I found out that Jen Hale, who, uh, did the voice of Commander Shepard in Mass Effect, which is basically my favorite game trilogy ever. Um, did the narration for the book, and she, this is her first audiobook. She's never done. She's a video game voice actress, so she's this is her first audiobook. So I was like, well, of course now I'm going to listen to it on audiobook. So I've never listened to an audiobook longer than 15 hours. This one is 30. I am halfway through, and I am hooked. This book is so like. I did not expect this. I'll be frank. I did not expect this book to be very good. It is <laughs> excellent. Like, it is excellent. Isn't that like, such a nice and really, happy really surprise, good. I'm sorry that I sound so surprised. It's really, I mean, I am like, oh my God, it's really, really good. And there's like, she's on this spaceship and there's like a space pig and there's a space cat. <laughs> and there's like it's like there's like it's just I don't know it's really good I'm really enjoying it honestly and if you are at all into fiction on audio Jen Hale is so good like I am not a person who has the attention span for audio for that long of an audiobook usually but I am really enjoying this and because of her performances I am like you usually I don't do fiction on audio because I have trouble following a story for the first time but I am finding that her performance is so memorable that I am really getting it I'm not having a problem retaining information um so anyway I highly recommend this book it's really good um and then in another chunkster news I'm also reading the new uh V.E. Schwab the invisible life of Addie LaRue and it's a, a Wait, print book I, I, ha- I have it on hold it's good Ooh. it's really good I'm halfway through I literally read half of it in one sitting like and it's a long book it's probably oh, so 450 pages um it's a longer book um maybe maybe less than that but I don't know my arc was like huge and then the finished copy is smaller so I don't know what's going on there but uh just you know quality of page is the paper they use or whatever but um anyway it's really good really enjoying it it's about a young woman who makes starts to deal with the devil young woman who um is born in the 1700s and starts to deal with the devil because she doesn't want to marry the man her father's trying to force her to marry and so uh and then but like the curse is that she basically she asks to be free but then the curse is she's free from any relationship. So she meets somebody and then once they leave the room and they come back, they don't remember her. Ugh. 
it's like it's like yeah it's really like it's very I can't wait very, to read it yeah it's really good I really enjoying it and I am in a place where I'm having trouble paying attention to books and I'm reading two really long books and I'm loving both of them so just highly recommend both these books um and then I'm watching um this show on Apple TV plus or Apple TV whatever the Apple TV whatever it's called there's stir service Apple TV plus I think it's called um it's called for all mankind and it's a Ron Moore show and it's basically a like what if alternate history what if the Russians made it to the moon landing before we did and it kind of explores like just a different side like what would have happened what would we have done and it's it's really well done I always it's Ron Moore he's Battlestar Galactica Deep Space Nine like I always knew it would be good but just kind of took me a while to pick it up and not shockingly and Joel Kinnaman stars who I love and I don't didn't realize I would have probably watched it earlier had I realized that but um anyway it's really good highly recommended whew yeah, I feel like this is like I right now it's just all about like comfort mm-hmm. entertainment where you mm-hmm. just something that like uh, pulls you in wholesale mm-hmm. and and can take over for a little bit. Um, and I'm I'm so excited about Addie Larue because it's I'm so irritated though because I had it on hold at the library and somehow my hold got something got messed up and now I had to put it on hold again and it's like. 17 weeks or something of before it's it going to be a uh, so I have to wait a really long time to read. Yeah. but it's fine there's plenty or of I'll other just mail you my arc tomorrow Ooh, yes also wouldn't mind that yes <laughs> no worries I got you so we are a part of the hard knock life podcast network you can find all the podcasts in the hard knock media family at hardknockmedia.com Today, we are shouting out the flagship podcast, Hard Knock Life, whose latest bonus episode has Keith Chow moderating a panel for Scholastic with artist Eric (laughs) Eric Wilkerson and Pablo Leon about why representation in children's literature is so important. And thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers. We really appreciate you. And we will be doing a holiday card this year. Um, So if you would like one and you're not a Patreon subscriber, I would, you know probably pledge sooner rather than later um but thank you to meredith roney and maya at the 12 dollar level and patrick jordan Annie, brandy shelley claire brian robert sylvia chris the knot family and priya at the five dollar level you can find us on twitter at Daisy geek girls and i am at run with skizzers and i am at s krishna and we'll see you in just a few weeks or in hell we'll see you in hell yeah we will That's where we are right now!